I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. We are joined now by actor, author, Kurt Cameron. Many of you, like me and Buck, and certainly producer Allie, big fans of Growing Pains back in the day. No way. Kirk, uh, yes, love the show. We'll get to that here in a sec. You got six kids. You are now traveling around the country doing story hours, and your books have turned into your children's books major cultural flashpoints. So, Kirk, thank you for being in our New York City studio. I'll start here. I'll give you a two-parter to start. Um, What percentage of people who come in for your book signings were big Growing Pains fans (laughs) back in the day? And would you have ever believed back in the days when you were a teen idol that you would grow up and write children's books? Would that something that, if I had told you this in 1988, would you have ever believed this would be your career path? <laughs> Great questions and totally unique. The, the guy that was standing outside of the Seattle Public Library was definitely a Growing Pains fan because he had a big sandwich board that he took a lot of time to make. It was huge, like five feet by five feet that said, you're growing into a real pain. <laughs> that was so well played. Well done, sir. I know he was a huge fan. I'm glad we could entertain him back in the 80s. So many people there came and were, uh, whether they were Growing Pains fans or not, they're fans of the values that led to the freest, strongest, most blessed and generous nation in the history of the world. And they're grateful to have something to be a part of to offer uh, their voice in the chorus of Americans that are against this woke machine. They want to deactivate the progressive matrix and they want their children to have a future. Um, And secondly, no, I never thought I'd be on uh, the radio with Clay and Buck talking about children's books that I wrote and would be traveling around the country to talk about things like love and joy, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. So I have to ask you, uh, Kirk, it's Buck now. Um, hey, Buck. You're t- hey, hey, hey you know, you? I was a Buck. I, I was a Buck in a movie. 
You probably didn't really? know this. Yeah, it's it was it's an obscure little movie, but uh, I my name was Buck. Anyway, it's a, it's please a great name, it's forgive a strong, me. I'm powerful, there. patriotic name. <laughs> it it so, is. So uh, so tell me tell me this. You know, you, you you just talked about what the books you're writing children's books about things like love, kindness, decency, and bravery. Very controversial. But, but Be careful. I was Don't say, even say those words. What what is and, and isn't it kind of crazy that in, in this day and age, whenever someone I mean, I, I'm not the only one I'm sure who feels this way. Whenever we hear story hour, we're immediately thinking that it's a very different kind of story hour. Don't your story hour doesn't involve wigs, fishnet stockings, or any gender identity politics, and yet you're controversial. Explain how. <sighs> That's not fair. You, you can't explain that unless you go down the dark rabbit hole of where this is all headed by the progressives. And, and we, we could get into that. But you're right. Um, I was denied by over 50 woke libraries when I asked to read this story for kids. Uh, maybe if I dressed in fishnet stockings and heels, I wouldn't have had so many doors closed on me. But when we actually showed up at the Indianapolis Public Library who told me in their response to my request, uh, we're not interested, our values don't align with yours, our community doesn't want what you have to bring. Over 2,500 parents and grandparents and children overwhelmed six floors of this giant library. They went down the escalator, out the door, and into the parking lot. And these were parents who couldn't even get into the reading room because the one they gave us was so small. And we did reading room after reading room after reading room. And the ones that never got in didn't get upset. They didn't riot. They didn't break stuff and light stuff on fire. You know what they did? They started singing God Bless America and Amazing Grace in the hallways between the rows of books. And they started their own story hours for their children. Kurt, you've got six kids. Uh, you live in California right now. I presume back in the day, Growing Pains was filmed in California, like many sitcoms would have been. Yep. I don't know if you had a political awakening of sorts. I'm curious, as you have evolved in your age, how difficult is it for you to stay in California, given what Gavin Newsom has done and what happened during COVID? I, I live in Nashville. Buck is in Miami. Uh, we have both in the state of Florida and in the state of Tennessee seen massive influxes of Californians, New Yorkers, people from the Chicago area who were just fed up. Have mm. you come close to bailing on California? If not, why have you stayed? Mm. Yeah, I, I understand the question. I meet many California refugees in Texas and Tennessee, Idaho, Florida, and from other states, New York and Michigan and uh, Minnesota. We love California. God made a beautiful place with oceans and mountains and agricultural land. The weather's always nice. Very little bugs or humidity. But uh, I'm looking older, not because of age, but because of Gavin Newsom. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I want to stay on the front lines in the places where culture is heavily influenced. And if we don't do that, then really this stuff creeps all the way into the corners and Pretty soon, Freedom Island will not be so free anymore. So I, I understand why people move, and I may be getting a, a bug-out place somewhere, but I don't think I'm leaving California. Um, we're, we've hit rock bottom, and I think we can only go up from here. We're speaking to Kirk Cameron, and his book is Pride Comes Before the Fall. 
Um, just tell us a little bit about this. I mean, a lot of parents out there who are looking for this kind of content for their kids or their grandkids, a lot of grandparents mm. listening right now, too. Yeah. Um, give us some of what, what uh, why, why this one and some of the other books you've written um, are, you know, you're the author. Why are they great content for kids? What are they going to learn? Well, kids love to hear stories. Uh, they love heroes and, and they love fantasy worlds to enter into. And so that's what I did. I partnered up with Brave Books, which is a, a great American company who knows who they are and whose they are. They're not going to sell out. They're not turning away from their audience and their values like other uh, big corporations have been doing lately. And we wrote a book about biblical wisdom and the fruit of the spirit and then followed up with this second book right here. It's called Pride Comes Before the Fall, and it teaches children the importance of humility. Humility is a lost and priceless virtue that we've got to get back to. I mean, this is a perfect time for this book to be coming out. It's June. Uh, it's so-called Pride Month, and it's just in time for kids getting out of school and starting their summer reading programs. And um, it's interesting to me. Uh, if I could share this quick little story, I was walking down the street in New York City today, which, by the way, you guys are supposed to be here. I thought I was going to get to meet you in person. <laughs> and I'm walking past Starbucks, and I see the rainbow-colored letters of uh, pride and love, love and pride, pride and love. We see it everywhere this month. Kids see this everywhere, and we are tempted to think that they go together. But the truth is, pride is the opposite of love. Love is about others. Pride is about self. So the truest expression of love is not pride, it's humility. But think of what just happened. The president of the United States, George, um, I was going to say George Soros, maybe maybe that's sort <laughs> maybe of accurate. Uh, more yeah. accurate. Joe Biden raised the pride flag front and center on the White House. Did you know that George Washington, our first president, raised the humility flag? Look it up. He did. It said an appeal to heaven. And he raised that under his authority as the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army in 1775. America was built on humility, not on pride. And I happened to call the White House this morning. I left a message for Joe Biden and uh, recommended that if we really want to be a nation that's known for loving others well, we should replace the pride flag with the humility flag. We'll see if he calls me back. I, I, I will be fascinated to hear. Maybe he was a big fan of Growing Pains back in the day, too. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the importance of staying in L.A., which is a center of culture in many ways. And I got a kind of a two-part question for you here to close out with. And we appreciate Kirk Cameron hanging out with us. If I think back to the shows that I watched as a kid with my family, with my parents, Family Ties, Growing Pains, Full House, Who's the Boss, Punky Brewster, The Cosby Show... That's just kind of a rough, uh, I jotted them down as you were talking. I love those shows. I, I bet a huge percentage of our audience does too. Those shows were very much, I would say, apolitical, anti-woke. They also had an overall thematic connection about the importance of family relationships. Um, do you think those kind of shows could get made in Hollywood today is the first part. Second part. The most famous person now who ever appeared on Growing Pains is Leonardo DiCaprio. You have to be a, a hardcore Growing Pains fan to even remember that. Do you ever see DiCaprio around in L.A.? What do you think about his evolution in terms of his political beliefs? And were those kind of things apparent when you guys were young guys on a show like that? Okay, so uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, we, we has always been someone that we've cared so deeply about, my wife and I, both on the show, together with him. And the last time we saw each other was at Alan Thicke's funeral. 
And it was such a, a sad but um, anticipated reunion for, for those of us who were on the show together. And uh, we, we love Leo, although I haven't talked to him in, in, in quite a while. I know he's busy with not movies and saving the rainforest and, and many other things that he's passionate about. So I really couldn't tell you uh, from an inside perspective. I just read what you read in the Internet as well. Um, and your first question is, w- w- was it did I explain? Why were shows could you still apolitical? Make those, could or? you still make those shows, right? Mm. If you think back to all those that I laid out, you're talking about yeah. the impact of culture. We saw Fuller House came back. Could the Growing Pains reunion show exist? Uh, what do you think it was about the culture of the late 80s and the 90s yeah. that everybody seemed to kind of be pulling in the same direction? And now we're all going in different directions. Because in the 80s and the 90s, and um, and much more prior to that in centuries before this, uh, we we had a, a common understanding of a Judeo-Christian ethic and society, a moral standard that we knew led to, to blessing. That was just common knowledge. It was in the water. It was in the air. The very first textbooks in education in America was the Bible. The Blueback Spellers, uh, the New England Primer taught kids to spell by referencing the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, uh, the dangers of things like pride and selfishness and greed. So our TV shows, our culture reflected the things that we wanted. But even though today it's really not different, it's just all springing out of a different worldview. Um, Politics are really inescapable. Religion is really uh, inextricable from culture. And so even though we wouldn't have uh, said Growing Pains was political or religious, it really was the manifestation of an early American Judeo-Christian view of life today We have new pictures of family. We have new types of humor. We have different heroes and different villains. And that's driven by an ideological worldview. As you guys know, you you talk about this all of the time. And the best way to advance those views, whether good or bad, whether free republics or uh, socialist nations, is to bake it into the songs you sing, the TV shows you watch, and the books that you read to children. So um, that's what we're seeing today. So yesterday's growing pains um, looks a lot different today. And I think that if you put growing pains back on the air, uh, just like many uh, classic songs or classic movies, it would get labeled hate speech or bigotry, even though uh, we understand that what masquerades as truth today is really stuffed with a lie. And that's why it's so important to me that we teach our kids these things before we reach the point of no return. Latest book by Kirk Cameron is Pride Comes Before the Fall. Go to bravebooks.com to get this and his other book. And Kirk Cameron, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, guys. uh, Illuminating. Appreciate you all. God bless you. Keep up the good work. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday Sizzle with Clay and Buck. We were talking about the unprecedented nature of the charges that have been brought by the federal government against Trump. Um, and Buck brought up the Civil War, and then that got my Civil War nerddom rolling, and I believe uh, Eric has called in because the point here is even in the Civil War, there were almost no prosecutions by the Republican Party in power, which is uh, Andrew Johnson taking over for uh, Abraham Lincoln after his assassination Mm. of prominent Confederate soldiers or even former President Jefferson Davis. And that was an actual insurrection. An actual in, an actual That's what an insurrection war. is, and a real war. Um, Eric, you're the CEO of a company that runs some historic sites in Tennessee. You wanted to give some historical context. What do you have for us? Yeah, so quickly, thanks for taking my call. I, I couldn't help but call in when I heard this. So um, it might be good to point out Johnson was a Democrat. So immediately, Johnson has problems with the Republicans running Congress. Um, it's interesting. Lincoln, as a Republican, had picked Johnson, the Democrat, to be his running right. mate. Lincoln switched happened, his running mate, right? I think he's the first. Did, didn't he do that in 1864? He did. He dropped his he dropped his first VP and picked Johnson because Johnson had stayed loyal. He was the only Southern senator who didn't resign his seat when the war started. Oh, that's a great so, point. Yeah, of course, Johnson. You know, there's a there's a debate about whether Johnson was you know really equipped to be president, but he is president. But here's what I wanted to point out. It's true nobody was ever tried for treason. That, that's a very nebulous um, legal issue that I don't think uh, U.S. attorneys wanted to get into. But Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee in particular were stripped of particular rights. They were both stripped of their citizenship. Uh, Lee could not 
rejoin the military. Davis could not ever again serve in the United States Congress. So there was a punishment. Um, and there's a reason why other, you mentioned John Bell Hood, officers like that had to go through a, a declaration that they had engaged in rebellion or an insurrection. And in some documents actually stated they committed treason, but that they would swear fidelity to the new U.S. Constitution, which included abolition of slavery, etc. So there were some punishments. I think you're mostly right, but I think it's important to note that some of those big leaders, Davis and Lee in particular, were punished. And I only wanted to point that out because, you know, my hope is that Trump doesn't go to jail, but I believe this is an effort to try to prevent him from being able to serve. I think that's, nobody's ever going to say that, but I think that's that's the undercurrent. Of what, what sites, by the way, do you run? Carterhouse, Carnton, and Franklin, oh. which I think you're probably familiar with, and Rip Villa down in Spring Hill. Yeah, so for people, thank you for the call, by the way, uh, for history nerding out with us. If you are listening to us right now, and you are a history nerd, uh, Carnton House, Carter House, and you just mentioned Ripa Villa, but I live in Franklin, Tennessee, Buck, which is basically a battlefield, right? The Battle of Franklin fought in November of 1864. You need to visit those homes. Uh, the Carnton House, which still has bloodstains, they brought all the generals who were killed uh, in that battle back to the front porch and laid them there. Uh, and the Carter House, which I believe is the most single damaged private home uh, that still stands from any uh, Civil War battlefield. Uh, you can still see bullet holes everywhere. The stories there are incredible, right basically in downtown Franklin. Uh, but, Buck, can I, I mean, can that's, just say that's something good context there. Yeah. About, first of all, it's fun to watch you two guys. You know, I feel like you had a bunk bed together at Civil War Sleepaway Camp, <laughs> but put that aside. Um, when he says there were some punishments, yeah, I mean, those are, it's important to know the historical context. I really appreciate that. Those are some of the mildest punishments for a, an insurrection against a victorious army you'll find ever in history really right i mean that's a lot of times you are on the wrong side of you know the, the leadership uh ends up getting hanged by the neck if th that, that's the 100%. way it goes, i mean right? that was that so, was the fear i mean there were several confederate leaders who tried to flee and get outside the country um and uh but again they didn't but, charge uh, ever Jefferson Davis with any crimes. But I, I, I think that at the core, yeah, there were legal concerns. But to bring us back to the overall thesis here about prosecuting a president, we're talking about civil war on the one hand versus yeah. some documents but, in, but in, yeah, a, in a bathroom. Fair, Buck, but I mean, what Biden has tried to do is argue that our era is as dangerous right. as the civil war. He's specifically said that. This is this is where I'm going with it, right? The insurrection of January 6th. They've created this whole narrative of Trump is is effectively as much a danger to the union. They have said we could play the audio on this show. They've said it on CNN and MSNBC and you know New York Times editorial page that this is worse than 9/11. That yes. you know the January 6th we're talking about now, yeah. worse than 9/11. Uh the worst thing we've seen since the uh the, the civil war. Uh, worse than the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Some moron said that on, on MSNBC. I think it was, uh, well, I don't want to say it I can't remember exactly, but I know it was said. And with all of that, I think it's interesting that we, we see what was done after the Civil War to the leadership of the Confederacy, and there was a decision that was made. Yeah, it was about the legal, constitutional. Okay, what is in the best interests of the Union going forward? Correct. The overarching ultimate concern here right what what is going to be the best for the american people and to make the case 
that prosecuting a, a leading Republican presidential contender in an election cycle, in an election year, is in the best interest of America, I mean, is, I, I think, just obviously absurd and, and deeply damaging. And that's really where we are. So I'm not saying on the legal side of it, Clay, you said this. Should Trump have handled things differently? Was it? Of course. But so should Hillary. And so should Bill Clinton. And so should, you know, so should have a bunch of people who either skated entirely or just never even fell under the scrutiny that they deserve for their. But we understood it's different. It's different. And I think that's kind of where we are now. For I, I know a lot of people feel that way. Because I'll, you know, if you start to see, like, they'll react to Bill Barr gave that analysis where he said, I think he's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I think legally speaking, if he's your, if you're looking at Bill Barr as your defense attorney, he's going to tell you that. I think he's correct. Look, he knows a lot more about the law than I do. He's correct on the law, but this is about something that is, dare I say, above the law, but this is about the interests of the nation and our unity and our ability to function as a representative. Uh, you know, as a representative of democracy, as a republic going forward. And I think it's just sort of settling into everyone's minds that this is actually, it's its kind of hard to believe this is actually happening, right? Yeah. Second special Even counsel. For us, who told you that this was going to happen. Yeah. Right? I mean, we told you for months, if not years, that this was going to happen. And I'm still, I mean, stunned. Uh, I think it's fair to say. I can't believe, and I think you expected this, I can't believe that they didn't pre- pre- preface the charges against Trump with, with Hunter, charges yeah. against Hunter Biden. No, because the system, uh, this is the thing, there, there's so little integrity or honor in the system that they have nothing to protect. That's, that's how I view it. They don't even care about what the, what the uh, perception of this move against Trump really is. Look, I, I'm not trying to be a, a, a huge downer on all this stuff. I just think it's important to understand the gravity of what has just happened and it just happened down the street from where I am, and the whole country is aware of what's going on with the Trump indictment. But I, I also would say, you know, maybe Trump wins. Right? I mean, you know, this this could be the we thought 2016 was the craziest political story that we would ever really see in our lifetimes in American politics. Was anything going to be more of a just of of a spectacle of a surprise ending than 2016? Maybe Clay were on the on the pathway to seeing something like that in 2024 where you have a guy who's indicted who then wins who then pardons i mean this could happen too i'm not i'm not despairing i'm just trying to get a full context of where we are yeah not only that buck i mean 16 was crazy i would argue 20 was even crazier because you had a once in a century covid pandemic that i think changed the outcome of that election i mean so we're sitting here in june who the hell knows what might happen over the next 18 months and and i do want to just close with that discussion we had i think it's a good one the entire if biden truly cared about uniting the country and about restoring some sense of honor to the country there's a great historical analogy to be made to what happened after the civil war the reason why now granted there were legal questions about whether secession was legal which made it harder to prove treason because if you had the constitutional ability to pull your state out then that was not treason right i think that's one big reason why there were no charges the other major reason why there was no charges buck is if you're going to reunite the soul of a country you can't do it by deciding that you're going to hang all of the leaders of the places that you want to 
come back into comedy with the overall union, right? It doesn't, yeah. if you hang Robert E. Lee and if you hang Jefferson Davis and if you hang John Bell Hood and Nathan Bedford Forrest and all of these iconic Southern generals who survived the war, then you are not going to create a sense of reproachment going forward. What Biden is doing is tearing asunder the nation with these charges. It's the exact opposite historically of what happened in the wake of the Civil War, which was a far, far more divisive incident than Donald Trump's presidency. If they were doing the best interests of the country as the top goal of all of this, if that yes. was really the approach, the Democrats would say, look, there's some document stuff, whatever. We got the stuff back that we need. Beat him at the ballot box. Yep. Biden would actually pardon Trump, Buck. If he was truly a uniter, he would say, I think Trump broke the law, but I think it's more important that we not set the precedent of charging political adversaries. I'm going to beat Trump fair and square in 2024. That would be what a real leader would say. Mm -hmm. I don't think Biden will say it. I also don't think Biden's brain is even functional enough to understand it. But I will say this, Buck. They make a big deal about all these historians that supposedly meet with Joe Biden all the time. Shame on those historians for not also speaking to the larger context of history here and letting Biden know how shameful his behavior is. That's what we're trying to get at here, which is really when you look at this, when you take a step back from all the all the, you know, the scrum, the the fighting, the back and forth that's going on here, uh, there's something deeply wrong about what the Democrats have just done. And, and, And historically, in the full context of the timeline of this country, I think people will recognize that more. The good news is it's not over. The good news is there's still a jury. There's still the possibility that Trump wins this whole thing or that some a number of factors could play out here where this isn't uh, quite the catastrophe for our republic that it could be. But I do think we have to keep in mind what the what the stakes are very much. Sunday Drop with Clay and Buck. I'm I'm a podcast listener, Clay, when I do chores. That's kind of my, uh, or when I try to force myself to do um, slow, steady state cardio, which is like the worst thing in the world. So a good podcast. What do you do? How do you do slow, steady state cardio? Is that like the, Uh, I do, I do like very, uh, like uh, high incline walking. So if you're learning to know, I go at like, (laughs) shut up. What is this? What is this? What is this? You make fun you, of me for being an old guy, and you it, do high incline walking. <laughs> I've never even heard of anybody inclining to do you, walking. Excuse me, sir. I put on a twenty pound weight vest, and I walk at a nine point elevation and a three point five speed, and it is quite effective and easy I, on the knees. And as I'm saying that out loud, it does make me feel like I'm getting older, but it is effective. Clay's being, Clay's being a jerk today, everybody. Clay's just, being I mean, a first, mean man. First of all, you're in the Kamala Harris fan club. Now you're doing <laughs> walking on eleva- <laughs> elevated. Ele- I know if, if you're if you. Well, I don't know at what age you can uh, you can get on a treadmill and walk. 
but I know it is definitely older than you are. Like, I, if I looked over it, I, I would be like, oh, he must be warming up. He's going to start running you, at some you, point. Sir, you, you keep this up. We're going to have to have some kind of a, of a public bet here where you have to go 30 minutes, 9-0 elevation, 20-pound weight belt on at 3.5 and see what you look like at the I'm end of say, it. I'm, I'm not saying I could do it, all right? I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that this is not difficult to do. I'm saying that if I were in the gym, and if I were like looking around at what everybody's doing and I saw a non-gray-haired man walking on a treadmill, I would be like, did this, what did this guy just, what, is he recovering from, you know, wow. like a, a, a serious injury, injury recovery? Is he That's claiming go- that he has long COVID and he can't breathe? Like, what is his, uh, <laughs> what is his, what is his situation here? <laughs> I just I I would have never bet that you were you a know, walk on the treadmill for exercise guy. I'm just trying to tell everybody about our excellent podcast, and this is the this is the heat, this is the trash that I get. You know, oh boy, uh, you know it's uh, just baby steps. You know, baby steps toward. Now that's actually not really the analogy I want to go for, considering we're talking about walking. Slowly, does Carrie but, walk your your wife? Does she ever no, walk on the treadmill? Does she no, run she, beside you like like just kind of giving like, you like a wimpy looks no. like while you're running? She does like wind sprints and oh, and does you know yeah it's like course. my wife in yeah, elite no. physical condition and meanwhile you're on the treadmill you know walking Clay you got everything is relative she's just happy I'm not there you know I'm not sitting on the couch pounding Twinkies you know what I mean well, like you know it's uh, better is, than you know that, that's, that is that's, very enjoyable all right anyway we were very much talking about the podcast situation which you subscribe to the iHeart app is the best way to do it download the iHeart app wherever you can. If any of you out there, by the way, want to want to want to weigh in on how steady state elevated walking is actually good for weight loss, feel free to call in and yell at Clay. The jerk. I don't even think you can lose the weight jerk. by walking. You that is not less. true. There's that no one not... who's gotten skinny because they walk all the time. I'm I'm, I'm t- the fitness influencers listening are going to tell you you're talking. By the way, this is what I do after I lift weights, but that's a whole other thing. So I'm just throwing this out there. Um, and we do have some calls not on that topic, and I did want to get to them. And uh, I think we got, yeah, you guys are telling me different sides of the coin here, right? All right, let's start with Tyler in Miami, down here in Miami. What's going on, Tyler? Yeah, I just wanted to throw in my two cents as to the rationale as why Chris Christie would throw his name in the hat and come out swinging at Trump. Uh, I think there's an agenda, and time will tell which route he takes. Uh, People run for president for four reasons. To win, to get an appointment on their party's cabinet, uh, to push one or two major issues to the public stage, or to be relevant in the media and public. I think Chris Christie obviously is not going to be, uh, he's not going to win. He's not going to get an appointment. Uh, he just wants to be relevant so he can conduct interviews, remain in the spotlight, write a book, get speaking gigs, but also he could do well on a panel at a major media outlet. He'd get a cush spot with CNN or MSNBC and be the token conservative uh, for their panel. That's okay, all well so- said, Tyler. Have you ever walked on a treadmill? <laughs> Last night. <laughs> 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 How old are you? See? See? Oh, Clay, you have you have poked the dragon, I, I, am, sir. Am I in trouble okay. now? Am I just yeah, like, you have poked over the a dragon. nest? I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm not you're, even gonna be able to check my can email. I just say, after Clay the show is used today. to watching elite twenty year old athletes work out from the outkick world who are like deadlifting six hundred pounds. For those of us like weekend warriors, okay, a good heart rate elevation on the steady state treadmill <laughs> is better than the alternative. See? Uh, I was going to give you credit if you were on the elliptical, but I've just never heard of a of a man who was not like <laughs> over the age. 
who is not over the age of 65, like voluntarily going to the gym to walk on the treadmill. Uh, I mean, you can walk outside on the street. Uh, man. All right. Back to politics. Uh, John in New Jersey. A New Jersey. And John, what do you got for us? Megadittos, Clay and Buck. Megadittos. I'm a big, I am a big fan of the walking as well. I just, I'm going to have to resign from the show, evidently. <laughs> this is, uh, I'm just going to get deluged with walkers on treadmills who are. I'm going to. The you know, memes alone are worth this, Clay. All the, here. the army of treadmill walkers are coming after you. Anyway, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, the reason why I support Christie, and it's the term that still has me in Twitter jail right now. He's performing a service by punching Trump in the mouth. And after doing that, some of the other candidates will start to do it, too. And either Trump will fall and fade away and someone else will rise. And I think Christie, with his whole big speech, you know, big America, big ideas, that's just in case if he manages to take Trump out and nobody else rises and he's the last one standing, maybe he will run for president. All right. Thanks for thanks for calling in on that one. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 